Welcome back to another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first podcast about gambling on NASCAR. That's what we do here. We're taking the green flag on another round here. We're going to be taking a look back at that crazy race at Talladega. It went down last weekend. It was a wild race, just as we expected. So we'll take a look back and see how we did gambling-wise and just any comments on what went down But the main point of this episode is to talk about the Charlotte Roval. We'll be making picks for this coming weekend. It's the last race before the cutoff, before the round of eight. So a lot at stake coming up this weekend. And we're going to try to make some educated decisions on what to expect this weekend. And then in the Phil's Fired Up section, we'll take on Silly Season. Seems like a lot of news has been breaking here and there. And everybody's calling in on the radio and on Twitter talking about silly season so we'll add our two cents as well so that's what's on the rundown this week for this episode so let's start with talladega i mean it was a crazy race we anticipated that it was a crazy race from start to finish one of the guys we called out was eric Almarola to win the race at plus 1400 and he was looking good early on and early on he wrecked. So it was before stage one even came to an end, but he, that 10 car seemed strong. Really disappointing for that team overall because that was going to be a car to be reckoned with. But the fact of the matter is, you go to Talladega, you're going to have to win the race with uh, your car in, you know, a little bit of pieces there. I mean, look at Kyle Bush. He kept wrecking and getting back out there and finally just went until he couldn't go anymore. So, you know, if you are going to wreck, you can't wreck like the 10 car did. It knocked him out of the race early. So that kind of stunk. But the, the ending, I mean, my goodness, Matty D versus Denny Hamlin yet again. I mean, seems like we've seen this dance before. And Denny with the, the upset. A lot of fans in the stands, not happy, booing Denny Hamlin. I think it was less about Denny and more about the fact that Matty D just is so beloved. And he was so close to his first win there. So he was getting booed. To Benedetto, he was getting cheers as, you know, he started crying in uh, the, the pit row interview. So very crazy ending to that race. Then you had the rulings about the double yellow line and, and who was getting pushed where. Just crazy stuff. But from a gambling point of view, we missed out on the, the guys that we chose last week. I called out how Eric Almarola was out early, but my goodness, we were so close to a big-time cash-in. We had Eric Jones plus 4,000, and he was right there at the end. I mean, I think turn three, he got sent into the wall by Matty D. But Jones in that 20 car, he was up there until he hit the wall, and he still finished third and then eventually second once the Benedetto got penalized. So we were very close there uh, as far as the picks we called out. We also called out Chase, and he was plus 1,000. He was up front. One of those overtime restarts, he was just about out of gas, so that was really exciting to see. So just missed it on the the call there, but I did cash in on Denny Hamlin. I posted it on uh, an Insta story on at Full Tank Phil on Instagram. You got to keep your eyes peeled with these sports books. We talked about it a couple episodes back. There's going to be some odds boosts and some promotions, and there was one on FanDuel for Denny Hamlin and... Kevin Harvick, you could either one of those guys win the race, then you could cash in at plus 650. So I jumped on that and I did hit on the the Hamlin bet there. So I wasn't too upset, but still would have been nice to have Eric Jones at plus 4,000 at a much higher number. So in any case, still not bad. And I just love seeing great endings like that. I mean, uh, coming to the stripe with that many cars just flying right next to each other. It was great. Very close. Now, one big bet we did cash in on, or a big value, Ty Dillon. We called him out. Plus 350 to finish in the top 10. Finishing the top 10 is hard. I mean, you can see every, you know, 
10 laps or so, it feels like there's going to be another caution. And they did set a record for caution laps, I believe. So big accomplishment for the 13 and Ty Dillon. We hit their plus 350, big number. And then as far as our head-to-heads were concerned, we went 3-1. and one. Why did we go 3-1? and one? Well, it's because that penalty to Matty D, that dropped him back below Austin Dillon, I believe he was up against, and uh, we'll cash in there. So went 3-1 and one in the head-to-head section. That's what we want. Want some more positivity there. So overall, pretty solid race. Some wonky names in the top 10. You had like Brendan Poole up there in addition to Austin Dillon there. And, and Ryan Priest, I called him out on Instagram as part of our daily fantasy lineup, and he did not disappoint. Really had a great run there for us in daily fantasy. So all in all... Great race to watch. The Jeff Gluck poll said 77% of people said it was a good race. And then from a gambling standpoint, if we, you know, just missed, it was still very exciting because our guys were up there fighting to the bitter end and we did cash in on some things. So very good stuff all around. That's what we want out of a Talladega weekend. So very happy there. But like everything that is great, it's got to come to an end sometime, and it did. So now we have to set our sights for what's going down this weekend. The third race of this round of the playoffs, Charlotte Roval. A much different racetrack altogether. I mean, what an eclectic group of playoff races here in this second round. You had a, a mile-and-a-half intermediate track. You've got Talladega, the Super Speedway, and now you've got the Roval. Road course, oval, mixed in together if you're newer to NASCAR. It's at Charlotte, and they've only been going here a couple years in a row now, two times they've been here in the past so the Sean Boy track stats this weekend are a little bit different than they have been in the past we don't have much of a sample size but we are going to make up for that in a few different ways so I will touch on the two races that we did have so far so it was 2018 and 2019 nobody has won from the poll the, the winners by the way were Ryan Blaney and Chase Elliott nobody neither of those guys started in the top five and only one time it was Ryan Blaney started within the top 10. Chase won the race last year from 19th, so just missed that 20 starting position. That's what we usually call out, anybody starting outside the top 20. And we just missed it last year with Chase starting 19th. And uh, manufacturer, still not too much to harp on here. We had a Ford win and a Chevy win. So the only catch there or thing to call out would be there were the cut races, which we're talking about here, but there was also two Xfinity races here. And um, in the Xfinity races, it was also a Ford and a Chevy. So the same year Blaney won in a Ford, the Xfinity race was won by Ford. And last year, two Chevys won. So uh, interesting stat there. Not really too much. Maybe it's Toyota's turn. I don't know. Or, you know, there's not much of a pattern to draw from. So we have to look elsewhere when there's not a big sample size. We have to take a step back and say, okay, how are we going to make some good choices here at a track where it's very green? There's not a lot to go off of. Well, there still are some things that we can pull from. So earlier this season, when we were talking about the Daytona road course, I took it upon myself to come up with a new stat. And I took in all three of the road courses, the Roval, Watkins Glen, and Sonoma, took their average driver rating and their average finish for all three of those tracks, into, combined into one stat that I'm calling DRAF, driver rating minus average finish. And that hypothetically would give us a list of drivers from top to bottom who the best road course drivers are. And that helped us back, you know, a few weeks back, months back, to select Chase Elliott because. The draft stats told us Chase was the best guy, and well, he went out and proved it and won the Daytona Road Course. So we definitely like the draft stats. That's something that I'll be calling out on this episode. So if you're wondering what that is, that's a good way to describe it. Also, I posted you know, where we got those stats from back on Instagram for that race, so you can go back and, and check that out. The stats haven't changed. So the other thing, though, that I found really interesting, I found a site that took into consideration all road course races and combined all of the stats for the last nine races. So since 2017 season started, it's taken into consideration all of those road course races and groups everything all together. So I'll be referring to those basically as road course stats throughout this podcast to try to help us identify who we like to take in various bets. 
So that's what it's really all about, right? We're trying to identify who we like the best, and we now have to look at the odds because the odds got released, and it was very interesting. Not surprising, but interesting because last week we're going from a race where it was basically anybody's game, huge odds, long odds for anybody that you're going to be taking, and you could really cash in on great value. Now you're going to have to use your head a little bit more. All right, you can't just be going willy-nilly, betting on anybody, and expect to cash in a big ticket because there's a heavy favorite to start the week, and I'm sure it'll stay that way. Then uh, a second favorite who's a little bit down, and now a little bit of a plateau after those first few guys. So you really have to identify, okay, do I want to strategize and take chalk, or do I want to you know, fade the favorites and take some of the long shots? So I can tell you right now, we're going to break down three guys that we like, but I like chalk this week. I mean, when you're looking at the history of these road courses, at least – the past nine races or 10 races or so, chalk usually prevails at the end or they are very high up there, second or third. So it's worth the money, in my opinion, to spend a little bit more on some of the favorites. So with that, let's get to our money line picks for the Roval this weekend. And we're going to start with the favorite, Chase Elliott. He was released, his odds were released at plus 300. Now, I am seeing him available right now on Foxbet for plus 320, so you can get him a little bit better odds there, but he is the favorite by a long shot for really good reason. I mean, for one, he's the defending champion of this race. I mean, he won from the 19th position last year, so he's the defending champ. I mean, he's the guy that is trying to say, hey, you know, this is my track. In addition to that, he won the Daytona road course this year, like we said, so he is really just developed into the road course guy. Watkins Glen, he has made that course his bitch uh, a couple years in a row. He's starting second, so he doesn't even have to work his way through, which he has the ability to do because he started back in the field last year and still won the race. So in two races at the Roval, he has a, a victory and a top 10 finish, finished first and sixth. So I will call out some driver ratings and some average finish for the Roval in addition to all road course stats. And for Chase, at the Roval, his average finish is 3.5. That's good enough for second out of everybody. And his driver rating is first. 122 is his driver rating at the Roval specifically. So really good stuff. I mean, I also put a lot of stock in that Daytona road course win because that was the only road course of 2020 and he went out and got the job done with a little bit of pressure on him there too. I mean, people were saying, hey, is Chase really the guy? And he went out and backed it up. So when we look at our draft stats, I said it earlier in the episode, Chase was the guy at the top of that list where we took average driver rating and average finish and Combine the two, Chase is the top of that list. So another reason to bet on him. And now when you look at just the road course stats in the last nine races, his combined stats here, four wins, five top fives, and seven top tens. That's the most out of everyone on the circuit as far as wins are concerned. His average finish for those stats, 8.0. That's good enough for third out of everyone. And his driver rating is second out of everyone. So really makes it worth it. I mean, I think you'd be silly not to put money on Chase. I could see that, you know, people who like to fade the favorites, I understand that concept. I really do. I typically like to do that as well. But in this case, when you have a guy who is really good on road courses and just proving that he's better than everybody else recently, it's hard to avoid him. So I'm going to put money on Chase. You can get him right now, plus 320. That number's going to change, I would imagine, but I think he's worth throwing a little bit more money than you would normally on a guy to win the race. So whatever your typical unit is that you spend money on, double it and put it down on Chase because you'll have a nice payout if it plays out for you. And also, I'm calling him out as a must-take in the Daily Fantasy lineup as well. When we talk about our rosters that we throw out there for Daily Fantasy and DraftKings, Chase, he's got to be on your list. I'm sure he's going to be expensive. The numbers aren't out yet. Uh, from when I'm recording this to how much he's actually going for. He's probably going to be expensive, but I think he's worth it. The last thing I'll say about Chase, I typically look for signs throughout the week, you know, and, and I was agonizing over this pick. Am I going to take the, the heavy favorite? Do I really want to do that? Well, I found my answer when I'm um, helping my daughter eat breakfast this morning 
and we had a, a Sesame Street rerun on. It happened to be Father's Day. I'm like, okay, you know, this, this is speaking to me. Father's Day episode. Well, what was the number of the day on that Sesame Street episode? It happened to be number nine. So that's the sign that I need from Sesame Street, from Elmo. Let's get it. Chase Elliott plus 320 right now to win the race this weekend. Let's go. Now, let's move on to somebody else because I think I've sold you on Chase. But now let's try to set ourselves on a couple other guys. And we're going to move down the, the list here to Martin Truex Jr. at plus 550. You can get that on DraftKings at the moment. That's the best number I'm seeing for him. And that's pretty decent. Plus 550 is pretty decent odds for the stats that you're going to see at a guy like this. All right. He's the second favorite. And, you know, it's more chalk. I get that. But he is very good on road courses. I mean, looking at it, he's starting seventh. All right. So he's starting in the top 10. That's kind of what you want at a road course. Track position means everything. Blah, blah, blah. At the Roval specifically, he's had two races here. One top 10 finish. So his finishes in 2018, he had a 14th. And that was a race where he was wrecked from the lead, if you remember, by Jimmy Johnson, who, you know, just went all out. So he was poised to lead going into that final turn. He ended up finishing 14th. Then last year, he finished 7th. So his average finish together is 10.3. And if you look at it, I mean, if he moves up another 7 spots, he went from 14th to 7th, you move up another 7, guess what? That's a dub. That's a victory. So, hey, maybe it's right on pattern for that 19 car. His driver rating out of everyone is 101.4. That's good enough for fifth out of everybody. So very good there. In our draft stats, he's fourth, telling us he's the fourth best road course driver, according to those stats. And now if we just look at the road course stats in the last nine races since 2017, three victories, six top fives, seven top tens. His last victory on a road course was Sonoma in 2019, so last year. And in that time period for road courses, he's second in average finish and first out of everyone in driver rating combined of all those courses. So very good stuff there. He has led a lap in every road course race since June of 2016. That is just huge. And until Chase really emerged as, you know, basically our, our new guy for road courses, it was Truex. I mean, Truex was the guy that everyone would go to. He would be the, the money line favorite to start the week. Now he's kind of fallen off a little bit. If you put the season lens on it, I, I can't put my finger on Truex. I mean, is he going to get another victory this year? Yes or no? I would say that this would be perfect for them to get some momentum going into that final round of the playoffs before the championship race. So, yeah, I mean, why can't they do it here? It's a racetrack that he hasn't won at, but road courses in general have been his thing in the past. So that 19 team has to have this circled on their calendar. You'd have to imagine. So mark me down plus 550 for Martin Truex Jr., MTJ. Now let's talk about the last guy we're going to pick. This is the guy a little bit further down the list. So if you're looking for, you know, if you hate the, the chalk picks, all right, this is the guy that I'm throwing out there for more of an underdog, more of a value pick. I mean, underdog, this guy is that in every sense of the word this week. So we're talking about Clint Boyer. On DraftKings Sportsbook, he's going off at plus 1,400. But on Fox Bet, he's actually available right now at plus 1800 so a much better value there so if you can get him at plus 1800 my goodness this is worth it so this is somebody he is this is a shot at a flyer here you know we, we talk about that from time to time he's starting 11th so not a, a horrible starting position he's not starting up front either so he'll be in the mix you know he'll have to work his way up to do it at the roval though he is one of two guys who finished in the top five in both races we've had there. So his average finish is 3.5. That's tied for Chase, or with Chase, for second. And he had a third-place finish and a fourth-place finish. That's how you get that number for all you math whizzes out there. His driver rating is 103.0, fourth out of everyone. That's right, fourth out of everyone at the Roval. We're talking about a guy who's going off at plus 1,800. So what is the, the catch here? Right. 
If we look at the Daytona road course in 2020, this season, he finished sixth. So he's there. He's, he's in the mix. His draft rating, sixth again. And we're talking about road course stats in the last nine races since 2017. He doesn't have a victory, but he's got five top fives and six top tens. His average finish is 7.2 out of all of those road courses in that time. That's good enough for first out of everyone on the circuit. So why is he so far down the list? I mean, I just really don't get it. He has great numbers, and if you put the season lens on it, it's a must-win for the 14 car. Put the playoff picture into consideration. If they're going to move on, he needs to go out and win the race. And this is not a track. Like, there are other guys, like Eric Amarola, right? He's in a must-win also. I'm not seeing anything from the statistics that say, okay, the 10 car can get it done. But I am seeing that here when you look at the data. The 14, the Clint Boyer machine, he can get it done and shock the world, surprise everyone. He's a daily fantasy roster pick for sure. I mean, I don't know what that value is, but I'm sure he'll be right around that like 8,300 mark. And if that's the case, you have to buy, buy, buy on Clint Boyer. So all around, I really like what I'm seeing numbers-wise. It's time for him to step up and get a win and secure his spot in the next round but also punch a big ticket for us betting on them. So plus 1,800, 14 car, lock it in, and those are the money line picks for the Roval this week. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's go racing, boys! Next on the docket, we've got the prop bet section, and we've got some true props coming here in just a second, but we always start this section by taking a look at who we like to finish in the top 10 and the value that we're getting there. So a little bit different mindset this week because – you know, especially coming from last week where we were trying to find guys way, way higher up in value. This time I'm, I'm kind of going below zero here with the value that we're looking for. So I'm looking first, for example, at Alex Bowman. He's going off at minus 134. Now, typically, if you listen to this podcast each week, that's a little different than what I'm used to taking in this section. I usually like guys right now on plus 100 like we hit with Ty Dillon last week, plus 350, really good numbers there. But this week, I think the value just isn't there to take these shots on guys that are way farther down the list. So Alex Bowman, let's just talk about him for a second. I mean, he's minus 134 at the Roval. I mentioned when we talked about Clint Boyer, how he was one of two guys to finish at the Roval inside the top five in both races. Well, you know who the other guy was? Alex Bowman in that 88 car. That's right. He had an average finish in two races there of 3.0. It's a second place finish in 2019 and a fourth place the year before that. So really good numbers at this racetrack. And then if you look at his road course stats overall, he's been on seven different road course races. He has two top five finishes, the two at the Roval, and three top tens total. His average finish is seventh out of everyone in those road course stats. So his driver rating, not great, whether it's at the, the Roval or elsewhere, but specifically, he just seems to find his way to the front at this racetrack. So because he is someone who has proven himself in two years to be up front and, and be there, that's all we need is a top 10 finish. I'm not calling out Bowman to win the race, even though that would be pretty nice, but the other reason is the, the real-world scenario, right? He is someone who is inside the cut line by 21 points. He needs to go out and just have a safe and sound race. And what does a safe and sound race look like for the 88 team? A nice top 10 finish. Right around 8th place, ninth place, that's fine, you know? And if they're competing for a win at the end, so be it. Even better. Feather in the cap. But we just need, for minus 134, that 88 to finish in the top 10. And it seems like that's something that is very, very doable. So I like Bowman for the, the playoff scenario, for his history at this racetrack, and because I just can't find other people way down the list to take a flyer on and feel really good about it. So I'm going with the 88 minus 134 to start our top 10 picks in this week. Now, Jimmy Johnson is our next guy up, and he's going off at minus 118. So at the Roval, he's been here twice as well. Two top 10 finishes, two for two, an eighth and a ninth. 
His driver rating at the Roval is third. So just to clarify here, okay, this isn't Jimmy Johnson like from back in the day. You have to realize this is Jimmy in the last two years. We've only been coming to the Roval for two years, 2018 and 2019. And I think people would rightfully say, hey, Jimmy's just not the guy he was, you know, more recent. But this is saying that more recent, the Jimmy who's down is doing very well here. So we love that. I mean, driver rating third out of everyone? That's recent Jimmy? Third? I'll take it. His draft stat is also third. So that's saying that all these road courses, compared to everyone else on the list here, he's the third best road course driver from those stats that I put together uh, a few months ago. And his road course stats in the last nine races, he's got a 13th average finish. So pretty good there. Well, where did he finish this year, right? 2020 Daytona road course, because Jimmy's a little bit different this year. You could say, you know, last two years, I I could concede that point, Phil, but what about this year? Well, to you hater, I would tell you he finished fourth at Daytona road course this year. So he's got something going on at these road courses, these rovals. He likes it. So if you remember also, I called it out when we talked about Truex, He sent it going into that final turn in 2018. He was going for that win. And again, we don't need that. We just need a top 10. So eighth, ninth place, that's where he finished. Two starts here. We'll take that again. So mark it down. And he's also somebody that I'm calling out on a daily fantasy roster. Love to see where those numbers come out or his price for daily fantasy. But I would think that he'd be right in that 8,300 value right in the middle of the, the road mark. So really calling that out as well. Minus 118, Jimmy Johnson, that 48 car, one last time around a road course. He better get good at him because he's going to IndyCar next year. And I would believe that he'd be racing in road courses there as well. So better get used to it, Jimmy. Minus 118, lock it in. Now, if you want a value pick, right? You say, Phil, I came here for the value. Let's get it. Eric Jones is my value pick for the top 10. He's going off at plus 165. Now, let's take a look at his road course stats total. So, nine races for Eric Jones in his career on road courses, and he's got five top 10 finishes. So, pretty solid there. You know, when you consider that's more than half the time he's finishing in the top 10. And this season, at the road course at Daytona, he finished 11th. So, he just missed that more recent one. Now, the, the catch here, the reason that he's a, more of a long shot, I would imagine, is because out of all of the road courses on the circuit, the Roval is by far his worst. He's two starts here. He's got a dead last and a 30th place finish. But these other road courses, he's got really good numbers. So good stats elsewhere. This is just simply a value pick. The guy needs a job next year. We're going to talk about silly season in just a second, but this is someone who... A few weeks back, I would have guaranteed that he would have shored up a a job and a a ride for the 2021 season. But if you're him and you're still out there pretty much interviewing, I mean, shaking hands, yeah, meeting people, yeah, but you're really proving what you can do on the racetrack. So if you're a a team owner, you're looking at the 2021 schedule for next season. They've got six road courses on the schedule next year. So when you make a decision about who's going to hop in your car, you're going to need somebody. And that's a significant chunk of the schedule. So this is a great opportunity for Eric Jones to go out and prove himself and say, yes, I am someone that I'm I'm very versatile. I can get it done. I can finish second at Talladega, but I can finish in the top 10 at the Roval as well. So a big, big weekend for him personally, but for us as gamblers, I think plus 165 is worth the shot here on kind of a a flyer. I wish we were getting better value there. I'm going to maybe monitor that to see if we can get them at a a higher number, longer odds as the week goes on. But he's our shot in the dark pick to finish in the top 10. So again, it's Alex Bowman, minus 134, Jimmy Johnson, minus 118, and Eric Jones, minus 165. Now some true props for a second here. Odd versus even. What will be the car number of the winning car. And these odds, they're pretty close to each other, pretty much even. I mean, minus 118 for the odd, minus 112 for the even. 
But that doesn't make much sense because I went back and took a look. The last nine races on road courses have been won by an odd number driver. Now, this is pretty much just Truex and Chase Elliott. But, hey, they're the two favorites this weekend also. So I'm going odd minus 118. I mean, if the odd was like minus 350 and the even was like plus 200, yeah, I'd take a shot on that. But they're pretty much even odds. So, hey, even odds, I'm going with the odds. Try to keep up here, and uh, we will lock it in at minus 118 there. It just doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense. I think you could try to take advantage there before that number shifts, because I think on race day, that's going to be a different value. Now, talking about team pick, all right, there's some options for you here. I realize that as I've been going through this podcast here, I've called out actually three different Hendrick drivers. And when you look at the odds here, Hendrick is going off at plus 185 to win the race. Clearly, Chase is a major factor of why the odds are like that. I mean, for Hendrick to be the favorite, they haven't been a favorite team pick in a long time. So plus 185. Now, I like Chase to win the race. Yes. But the fact that I called out those other two guys, I mean, they're capable of winning the race. So plus 185 is not a number that scares me. I like what I'm seeing out of Chase, and I don't hate these other guys. In fact, William Byron, I mean, I haven't really looked him up, but hey, you know, you want a wonky winner, he's one of them. And sometimes these road courses can end up that way. So yeah, I'm fine with the plus 185 number choosing Hendrick. JGR is the next bet. They're plus 225. So clearly there, you're getting Truex. You're also getting Hamlin, who is sneaky good. He's not great, but he's sneaky good on the road courses. So he used to be, you know, pretty good, especially out Sonoma. That that name kind of hits me hard there. And then Kyle Bush for a significant amount of time in the early 2010s was a, a force to be reckoned with on road courses. So, yeah, if you're a JGR fan, plus 225 isn't too bad there. And um, you're basically getting three solid cars that could win the race this weekend there, uh, as opposed to Hendrick, which is really one solid car and, and three kind of long shots. Uh, then let's take a quick look at Team Penske. I mean, we called them last week out to win Talladega, but the odds here plus 450. They're not even, they're the, the fourth favorite, which is, you know, mid pack when you're looking at these team picks. You're talking about Ryan Blaney, who won this race in 2018, and you're talking about Brad Kozlowski and Joey Logano, who also have pretty good numbers at this track. I mean, really decent for those three guys. You get those three drivers plus 450. If you're someone who likes to have money on a lot of different stuff, I mean, you could throw a, a bunch of money on Hendrick plus 185 and then just a little bit of money on Penske plus 450 and then really feel comfortable about what you have going on there. So something to really think about. I think I'm definitely throwing money on Hendrick and I'll consider the, the Penske play more of a lean at this point as well. But if you're someone who really likes to spread your money around, those are two options there for you that make sense. Now, here's one that we've not really talked about, and this is the prop bet to win both stages and the race. This bet is so crazy because the yes for that to happen, you're basically saying, okay, the guy's going to win the first stage, second stage, and the race. It's plus 650. The no is minus 1430. So I went back and took a look since stage racing started. Has this ever happened? And the answer is yes, it has happened. One time out of eight races, that has happened. It was Chase Elliott at Watkins Glen, which doesn't surprise you because he had that one race there where he was just absolutely electric. So if I had the the money to post up, you know, $1,400 just to win $100, i would probably do it because it makes a lot of sense. I mean, Sonoma, you haven't, there, there's not a race winner at Sonoma who also won a stage. But we're talking about the Roval. In both cases, Chase and Blaney won one of the two stages and the race. So it's been close. So I think in this case, I'm willing to say road courses are weird. We get it. But because of what I'm seeing at the Roval specifically and the fact that it has happened before one out of eight times, I mean, it's not astronomical percentage. So I would throw some money at plus 650 to see if 
Chase or Truex, one of these favorites, goes out there and just dominates the race from start to finish. So plus 650, yes. I'm digging it just as a long shot this week. Why not? Trying to gamble a little bit. That's what we're here for. Now, the last prop bet I'm going to call out here is the top car by manufacturer. And I'm focused on Ford this week. And I'm going to go back to that Clint Boyer well. All right. He's plus 550 to finish as the top Ford driver. In both races at the Roval, he's the, he finished as the second highest Ford driver. Last year, it was Harvick that finished the top Ford driver. And the year before that, Blaney won the race. But Boyer finished third. So he's right there. So, you know, if you go off the pattern that it's going to be somebody different every year, why not Boyer? I like him to win the race. I like him to be the top Ford driver. Plus 550 is just an astronomical number to beat all the other Ford guys. So mark me down for 14, Clint Boyer, plus 550 to be the top Ford driver. And that's going to be the prop bet section this week. All right, all right, all right. So now it's time for us to take on the head-to-head section. And we have been doing a little bit better here recently, 3-1 the last two weeks in a row. So we got helped out a little bit by the rules and the rulings by NASCAR last week. But we will take it and we will move forward trying to get that elusive 4-0 week. So got a bunch of different matchups here, four different ones, four new ones. And we'll kind of work our way up a crescendo here to a big-time matchup at the end. So... Let's start off by two guys who are not very good on road courses. We're going to take on Austin Dillon, who is a big favorite in this matchup, minus 139 versus Ricky Stenhouse Jr. going off at plus 105. So when I saw that setup, those odds for both of those guys, it got my attention because I haven't really seen uh, a matchup where... You know, it's just such a discrepancy. Minus 139 to plus 105. That's a lot. So let's dig into the tail of the tape here for both of these guys. We'll start with Austin Dillon. He's coming off of a Talladega race that could have definitely gone better for him. And he now finds himself in a must-win situation in order to advance into the next round of the playoffs. It's, It's kind of a long shot, right? But unlike what we were saying about Boyer, who is in a, pretty much a must-win, but could win. I don't see that as the case here for Austin Dillon. He didn't race this year at the Daytona road course due to COVID-19. He tested positive, so he had to miss that race. Kaz Grala, who took his spot, finished seventh. So good for that team. But when you're looking at Austin's stats on all road courses, the, the same stat structure that we've been talking about all podcasts here, and since 2017 season started, he's had eight races on road courses, zero top 10s, and two top 20s. His average finish, compared to everyone else, is 36th place for an average finish of 25.0, okay? Not great. And his driver rating is 58.2 combined on all of these road courses. So really could be better. I mean, they could be in a, a better situation. They could be going to a track that maybe he's a little bit better at, Texas, for example, and really have a shot to surprise some people. But those stats would tell you that Austin is really up against a, a steep hill here. So going over then compared to, and he's a favorite, by the way. So now we're taking on Ricky Stenhouse Jr. stats, right? He's plus 105. Ricky's coming off of a race where he was eight laps in, and wrecked out. So he is just chomping at the bit, trying to get back to it. I was listening to Brad Doherty on the NASCAR Series XM channel, and he was just talking about how Ricky's trying to put that past him and is dying to get back on the track because that was such a letdown for them. So at the Daytona Road Course earlier this year, he finished 16th, right in the middle. And in a matchup like this, that's going to get it done, I would say. So his road course stats in nine races, no top tens, just like Dylan. But the difference here is he has six top 20 finishes compared to Dylan's two. His average finish is 33rd on the circuit, so not much better than Austin Dylan's. It's 22.0 on average, but his driver rating is a little bit better, 62.3. So, I mean, these numbers are very low. It doesn't matter how you slice it. Even though Ricky's are a little bit better than Austin's, they're both not very good here. So then you're trying to figure out, okay, they're both kind of in the mud. Who is going to pull themselves out of that mud? And if you look at them, 
Head-to-head on-road courses the last five races, Ricky has a 5-0 record against Austin Dillon. That is pretty impressive. So I'm going to take Ricky Stenhouse in this matchup plus 100. I like the odds. That gets my attention, right? Because if you're looking at a matchup and you have someone with plus 100 and you're looking at the other guy and you don't really see why they're so much of a favorite, that rings a bell. And the other thing is Dylan's just going to be pushing, and I think he's going to be pushing too hard at a track where he's not really that good. So mark me down for Ricky Stenhouse. He goes out and he gets a 15th place finish. That should win this matchup in my opinion. So Stenhouse, 47 car, plus 100. So now let's take on another matchup, which any other year I would say that this is probably this time of season uh, a very big-time matchup, and it's Ryan Blaney versus Kyle Busch. But in 2020, everything's upside down, right? So Blaney's going off as the slight favorite here, minus 122 compared to Bush's minus 109. So it's a solid matchup of two guys who you could make a case are just kind of down on their luck right now. So let's dig into Blaney first. He won the inaugural race here in 2018. He was kind of Johnny on the spot when the, the two guys in front of him wrecked, but he still picked up the, the W. And he has some pretty numbers on road courses anyway. Nine races in these since 2017, these road course stats. His average finish is ninth on the circuit. So 12.3 is that average finish number. His driver rating is 11th out of everyone. It's 88.1. So pretty solid. And in that time frame, nine races, one win, three top fives, and six top tens. So really good numbers there, I would say. Kind of unexpected. I don't really, other than that, uh, the Roval win a few years ago, I don't really see Blaney, you know, when I think of road courses, he doesn't pop into my head. So those are pretty solid stats. Now we look at Kyle Busch. I mentioned how early in his career, I feel like he was one of those guys that was a, a road course dude, but recently, you know, he might have slipped up a little bit. Other guys kind of taking the reins there. So in nine races for Kyle, four top fives, five top tens. His average finish is 15th out of everyone. So Blaney's got him in that category. The the actual number is 15.4. His driver rating, though, is a little bit different. So Blaney's was 11th. Kyle's is 4th on the circuit, 97.2. So this is a combination of all of these tracks, and that is uh, pretty interesting. So he's just not getting the finishes that maybe his races deserved. So when we're looking at Kyle, though, out of these nine races, another thing that jumps out to you for a negative thing is that he has the most DNFs out of everyone going this weekend with three. That's more DNFs than anyone you could think of. Name, name a name. He's got more DNFs than that person. So that's a negative. And then he continued to pile on with the negative comments last week. I mean, after round one was over, he said straight up, we're going to be eliminated after round two. Last week, he said... I hate when I'm right or something like that, basically implying that they're out. So he's minus 21 points to the cut line. That isn't insurmountable, but, you know, it would probably require a win or something drastic to happen to the couple guys in front of him. But I just hate that, right? So he tried his ass off last week at Talladega. He drove that car until it just wouldn't go anymore. And, you know, I think you're going to need to have that mentality at a place like this because there are some situations where people are going to get into you, your car's going to get beat up a little bit. And if Kyle just can't get over this, then I, I do think that he will be eliminated. And maybe we can uh, pick up a, a victory here in this matchup because I'm taking Blaney in this matchup head to head at the Roval. Blaney has him two to nothing. And then in the last five races, Blaney has a four one lead over Kyle. Kind of surprising to me overall. So it's more about the negative stuff with Kyle Blaney, his positive stuff on road courses, and this track particularly. So mark me down for the 12 car, minus 122 over Kyle Busch in this matchup. The next one is the Battle of the Penske Boys, and we haven't hit on this matchup in a little while now. It's Brad Keselowski versus Joey Logano. So Keselowski's the heavy favorite, minus, one, minus 134, excuse me, to Joey Logano's plus 100. A lot like we were saying with the uh, Dylan Stenhouse matchup, right? That gets your attention. Why is this person such a heavy favorite or a, a big-time underdog? So, got my attention, but the odds actually do make sense when you look at them. A little bit surprising to me. So, we'll start with Brad Kozlowski. In nine races at all of these road courses, his average finish is 10th out of everyone. 13.7 is the number. Two top fives. 
three top tens. Not as good as I would have thought. For some reason, when I think of Watkins Glen, mid-2010s, I think of Brad Kozlowski. But his driver rating is 7th out of everyone here, 90.0. He finished 13th at the Daytona Road Course, which... You know, not good, not great. He's plus 41 to the cut line, though. Both these guys in the playoffs, which is unlike the other two matchups that we were just looking at. So he's a little bit safe, right? Plus 41, you have to feel really comfortable. That's almost a full race ahead of the guy, uh, which is Kyle Busch, uh, trying to make it in. So he's feeling pretty good. Now, let's take a look at Lagana because his numbers kind of shocked me, right? Nine starts in the road courses since 2017. His average finish out of everyone, is 24th. Big time drop-off from Brad Kozlowski's 10th. So 18.5 is his average finish on these tracks. Three top 10s, which is the same as Brad, but he doesn't have any top fives or any wins or anything like that. Driver rating is the big one. 72.4. Pretty low for Joey Logano. So that just tells you he, he just might not be a road course guy. Nin that's good enough for 19th compared to everybody else. So really not great. One positive thing, though, to note is that he did finish ninth in 2020 at the Daytona Road Course. That's a stat that you can kind of hang your hat on if you are the 22 car in on that team. The difference here, though, is that he's plus 21 points to the cut line. So if one of these guys from the bottom is going to claw their way up via points or a win, that puts the 22 car at risk of missing the playoffs. So he has much more pressure on him and that team than Brad does. So I, in this type of matchup, always like the guy who's more comfortable most of the time, depending on the situation. With this real-world scenario, I like the two-car just better because they're they're more comfortable. They can kind of go out and do their thing, and they're clearly better on road courses. Now, taking a look at it, at the road, well, they split. They're one and one in the two races here. Brad has a 3-2 lead in the last five races, but if you go back a little bit further, he has a 6-2 lead at road courses in the last eight races. So I am actually going to say that Brad minus 134 seems to me like a bit of a lock. I'll throw a, a lock on this one. The two over the 22 minus 134, lock it in. So now we've made our way up to the biggest matchup of the weekend, and it's Kevin Harvick versus Denny Hamlin. I mean, this is the battle of the year, right? These two guys, it's their championship to fight for. So the funny thing is, when we look at these stats for road courses over the last nine races here, they are both tied exactly for average finish in nine races on road courses for fifth out of everyone, and they both have an exact identical average finish of 8.0. That is just so Hamlin, Harvick, it hurts. All right, a lot of H's there. So let's dive into Denny Hamlin. He's coming off a big-time victory at Talladega. Now, I wanted to look into how does he follow up a win, right? So he's won seven times this year. So six times previous, we got to see how he backs it up. And twice out of those six times, he has backed it up with a top five finish. The rest, not so great. So you can kind of say, you can pick your poison there. Do you want to say that two times finishing with a top five is, is really good, or he usually doesn't back it up with a great finish? It, it really depends on your flavor there. Now, in those nine races for road courses since 2017, he has zero wins, five top fives, six top tens, his driver rating is 5th, 95.4. So really solid numbers here for Denny Hamlin. He finished 2nd at the Daytona Road Course earlier this year. So he's just such a versatile driver. I mean, when you're looking into his stats, he's we know his stats this season have been phenomenal in the big courses. But, you know, mile and a half, road courses, short tracks, it doesn't matter. The 11 car has it going on. Now, talk about someone who's got it going on. Let's switch gears and talk about Kevin Harvick. Now, just like we were looking at Hamlin coming off a win, Harvick had a sneaky bad finish. He finished 20th. So I got to looking at how he has done this season finishing 20th or worse. And not surprising because of how good he's been. It's only happened two times, all right, other than this. So one of those times, he backed it up with a victory. The other, a 10th place finish. So after coming off of a race where he finished 20th or worse, he had a win and two top five finishes. That's something that really gets your attention. That tells you that despite how good they've been, they still are striving for more. It pisses them off when they don't do well. Now in nine races on road courses since 2017, one win, three top fives, seven top 
tens. So just like Hamlin, some really good stats to throw around there. He won Sonoma in 2017. That was that victory. His driver rating is third out of everyone, 102.1. So we talk about Chase. We talk about Truex. Harvick's right there in terms of the statistics. So I wanted to go back and take a peek at how these guys were head-to-head at road courses over the years, and it's a slobber knocker. I mean, they just keep going back and forth. So I had to go all the way back to 10 races, and it's 5-5 five and five is their record. They just keep going back and forth. So then I just wanted to focus on strictly the Roval. Harvick has Hamlin beat there. 2-0 at the Roval in favor of Harvick. So for this matchup, because of backing up a bad finish, I feel like it just makes all the sense in the world to go with the four car here. Minus 106 is the number. I think he's going to beat Denny Hamlin in this head-to-head matchup. Lock it in. So just to recap all the picks now, I'm feeling that 4-0 week. Let's do it. So it's Ricky Stenhouse plus 100 over Austin Dillon. Ryan Blaney minus 122 over Kyle Busch. Brad Keselowski minus 134 over Joey Logano is one that I'm calling a lock. And Kevin Harvick, minus 106 over Denny Hamlin, who's the favorite in that matchup, minus 106. There it is. We're going 4-0 this week. I can feel it. So now we're at the Phil's Fired Up section, and we've got to talk about Silly Season because that's what everybody on Twitter is talking about. That's what everybody on Instagram, everybody on the radio, that's all anybody wants to talk about. Silly Season. Where is everybody going to land? Why can't this shit just go down after the season's over? Why does it have to play out right now in the middle of the playoffs? But I guess it's something to talk about. So we did have some news come out this week. Alex Bowman moving over to the 48 car, Hedrick Motorsports, taking over for Jimmy Johnson. What the hell is this about? Uh, Maybe someone can explain it to me. I guess you could say it's more of a prestigious ride. Is it, though? Taking over for the 88 for Junior seemed like a pretty big deal. I don't understand why they are making this move and why there's so much fanfare around it. I, I just really don't get it. But in any case, that means that the 88 car is wide open. A lot of people thought that the 48 was open. Well, turns out, I guess it's just the third Hendrick, excuse me, the fourth Hendrick car So whether it's 88, but there's rumors they might go back to a 5 car or maybe even a 25, who knows? The fourth seat is open, and that's if they even fill it. There was rumors early on that they might just roll three, but I think we'll get to who we like in each car here in a second, but I think they will run with four cars. So Bowman to the 48, that was a weird one. We already had Chastain to the 42, another one that took us by surprise. Wallace to the most likely the 23 car, if you want to wish we could bet on that. I think that's a all but sure thing that they'll be driving the 23 car in that Jordan Hamlin ownership team. And then we also had a, a different one come out today. Daniel Suarez. I was looking to see where he would land. He's actually teaming up with a brand new race team called Trackhouse, where they're going to ride the 99 car. So I don't know if that's going to be a stronger team. I don't know who they're going to be affiliated with. Uh, stronger team than what he's running right now. But hey, Good for Suarez. He found a landing spot. I thought he might be a candidate for some of these other rides, but I guess not. He kind of liked what they were putting down at this track house business, and he's going to jump in. So there are some question marks that are out there still. Clint Boyer has been very silent. They have been quiet at Stuart Haas with the 14 car. They have not re-signed him, so still kind of a question mark. Is he going to re-sign? And then also at Wood Brothers and, and the Penske-affiliated group, the 21 car, Matt DiBenedetto. I think a lot of people were hoping that he would be re-signed by this point, but he has said that he has no contract at the moment, so he's still wide open. So when we're looking at these open seats, we're going to say that the 14 and the 21 are open. We mentioned the, the Hendrick fourth seat, so we'll call it the 88 car. And then there's also the business of the 43 that's a pretty solid ride. Amarola and Bubba Wallace have done really well, I would say, in, in that vehicle for Richard Petty Motorsports over the last few years. So, yeah, that's a sought-after car. I mean, who wouldn't want to ride for the king? So those are the, the big seats that are open. But the thing is, we're playing musical chairs here. There's just too many guys to fill these seats. So this is where I wish... I, I Honestly, when I said I wish this would just wait to the end of the year, it has nothing to do with you know, the rules of NASCAR and, and getting into that. It's more from a gambling standpoint, because I wish that the sports books had some time and some, you know, 
free time actually to set lines on who's going to be filling these seats. And there was really a, a set free agency timeline because it would be really fun to try to pinpoint who's going to ride in each spot. So let's just take a shot at it here. We're going to assume that Boyer is retiring and that Matty D's not getting re-signed at Wood Brothers. So we're going to look at the 88, the 14, the 21, and the 43. So who do we like to finish these, uh, to fill these seats if we were able to bet on them, which we should be able to, uh, but I digress. That fourth Hendrick car, 88 machine. This seems to be Kyle Larson's car to lose. I am shocked that I'm saying that. I think a month ago I would have said, you're crazy. But it seems to be swirling around the NASCAR universe that he is about to get reinstated. Probably it'll happen at the end of the year. But I think they have been talking with him and it seems like most people in NASCAR have felt like he has paid his debt, he's paid his penance, and now they're going to take him on, which kind of works out perfectly for Larson because he was going to be one of the most sought-after free agents anyway. He might not be getting as much money, definitely not going to see the sponsorship type of deal because I think any team that takes him on is going to have to deal with some sponsors questioning this move. But I think Larson, the joke when Casey Kane was around was always, Larson to the five. That was always the, the meme on Reddit, right? So this actually could play itself out. I mean, if they switch over to the five car, Larson, I think, is going to fill this fourth spot. At least it's his to lose, uh, which is shocking to me. I, I, I don't really know who else would be a candidate for that ride unless they brought up somebody from Xfinity. But the, the only name that comes to mind is Noah Gregson, and he already signed on for another year at Junior Motorsports. So... Um, I don't know. I mean, would Eric Jones leave Toyota? I think all these guys now, their affiliations to the manufacturer are kind of out the window. I was listening to Ty Dillon, for example. He said, it doesn't matter who comes knocking, I'm listening. So Eric Jones seems like a solid spot uh, or seat filler for Hendrick. But I think Larson is who Rick Hendrick has always wanted in this ride. And um, who knows? But that's probably my bet to fill that spot. So now let's look at the 14 for Stuart Haas Racing. If Boyer is out, in fact, and he goes into broadcasting or whatever, then I think this has to go to Chase Briscoe. I mean, he has been dominant at Xfinity, and he's in their program there in Xfinity, so it's just a natural progression that he would come and take over the 14 car. That is my bet. He would be a heavy favorite if there was a line on this um, outside of Boyer resigning. I, I think it's either Boyer or Briscoe. So you're going to get a B name in there filling that seat. That is easier to, to lock up. Same with the 21 car. If it's not Matt Tabetadetto, which it certainly doesn't seem like it, because, I mean, the guy's crying his eyes out in the, the post-race, that's a guy who doesn't have a job next year, and he's fighting for every scrap he can get. So, assuming it's not him, I think for Penske, it would be Austin-Cendrick. Uh, he's, he's been really, really good. It's been between Briscoe and Cendrick all year this year in Xfinity, if you're paying attention down there. So, he is uh, basically a lock for that position. And um, next year, Brad Kozlowski's only signed on for one year for that two car. So something is up there. I don't know if he sees uh, greener pasture somewhere, but it just would make more sense that they would have Cindric in the 21. And then if something doesn't work out for that two car and Brad Kozlowski, Cindric just slides right in and Penske has that fleet of cars ready to go. So I think Cindric is a, pretty much a lock for that 21 next year. Uh, at this point. Now that leaves the 43 car wide open. And this is much more of a, a tougher thing to pin down. And if we were gambling on it, better odds probably. So I think my bet for this one would be Matt DiBenedetto. I think he just fits that good guy role in that 43 car. That's really who they've had in that seat for a long time now. It's just a good quality person. And Matt DiBenedetto fits that. I don't see why he would ever say no to driving for Richard Petty Motorsports. It just seems like a, a natural fit. So if I could bet on it, I would bet on 43 car being filled by Matty D. So what that means is we're leaving out a couple people like Eric Jones and Ty Dillon. Jones is more of an enigma to me or more of a question to me than Dillon. Dillon, you know, he hasn't had a win really ever. Um, Jones has good stats. Like every week I'm doing this podcast, I see how Jones has performed at past stats. It makes no sense to me that he's out at the Joe Gibbs camp. It really, they did him dirty. So now you're saying he didn't, doesn't really have a ride, which is crazy to me, unless it's going to be one of these low tier 
you know, start and park. So that is uh, really how I'm predicting the the silly season to happen here. Uh, I don't know if Jones would find a, a lower tier team or jump into an Xfinity ride, but I don't see a top tier ride. If you consider these seats that we're talking about top tier, I don't see one opening up for him. The only shot in the dark that I would see is if Kurt Busch, he said that he was 50-50 on whether he was retiring or not. And I, I mean, he's definitely into the round of eight, so he's having a good season. I could see Kurt retiring and then them snatching up Eric Jones. That's the only kind of last-minute thing that I would see for Eric Jones, but I would say that that's pretty unlikely. I, I can't see Kurt retiring this year, but we'll see what happens. So that's my take on silly season this year. We'll see how it pans out. I'm going to keep track of that and see how we would have done if we were able to bet on it. So that's going to be the checkered flag for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Cash your bets, cash in, so we can line our pockets to get ready for the final round of the playoffs starting next week in cookie-cutter country. We're going back to Kansas. So some nice educated bets coming next week. So drive fast, take chances, and we will see you next week. Place to go. Have no place to go. Darling, have no place to go. Have no place to go. Girl.